Hi, welcome back to the Hope Again podcast. We are currently in our COVID aftershock series, and today is our second episode. The first session, we explored grief in relation to COVID, but especially in the aftermath. We defined grief and identified many secondary losses that we might not have realized were worthy of grief. We normalized our reactions to an unheard of pandemic and talked about ways to help ourselves, as well as when it's time to reach out for further support. For more on this last episode, please look for the podcast titled COVID Aftershock Grief. Today, we are continuing the series on COVID Aftershock by focusing on the trauma we experienced during COVID, as well as the lingering effects. If you recall, dictionary.com defines aftershock as the effect, result, or repercussion of an event, the aftermath, or also a consequence. So today, we are talking about the aftershock of the trauma much of the world experienced. To help me explore these ideas, I have a special guest, Becca Ferguson, with me. Becca is a licensed professional counselor. She received her Master of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling from Henderson State University. Becca has experience in cognitive behavior therapy, trauma-focused therapy, and dialectical behavior therapy. Becca is also trained in crisis intervention and EMDR. She believes that therapy should be available for all because everyone deserves to be listened to and heard. She is enthusiastic about creating a space for each person to discover how to work the skills they already have within them. Becca is currently seeing clients via telehealth serving the Northwest Arkansas area. In the initial sessions, clients can expect to share their story and engage in a goal-oriented plan for their mental health. Becca's passion is therapy and loves to work with others in reaching their goals and ideas. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You actually have two special guests with you today because my cat is sitting on my lap. So you guys might get to hear like a little bit from Lucy as well. So there you go. Welcome to the show, Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) She'll she'll make her presence known. Don't worry. (laughs) It's times like these that I wish we were recording the visual so everybody could benefit from that. I know she's so pretty. I'll have to post a picture. It'll be like the whole picture for your episode and everything. So there you go. <laughs> okay, so I have to tell you that um, the quote on your website on your homepage is spot on. Um, your quote says there is hope even when your brain says there isn't or tells you there isn't. Yes. Oh my gosh. If that is not the truth, I, I promise you, like you can battle with your brain all day long and it just gets so frustrating when you're like hey I know that this is a thing that I could be doing I could be healing I could be making progress and everything in your brain is just like nope (laughs) I don't want to make progress you're good I'm just gonna keep bugging you for a little bit so frustrating (laughs) it is but I love that because we can honor the fact that our brain is not always right right I tell clients all the time our brain believes what we tell it And so if we're telling ourselves this negative train wreck, then that is what we believe. And that doesn't have to be the case. Yes. Oh my gosh. We've got to be able to, you know, you know, you're talking about a train wreck. We got to undo the train cars. We got to look at it, stop spiraling. Oh, so many metaphors, but that's for probably a million other questions that you have for me. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So 
let's talk about this. We've talked about in my last episode, we talked about grief and I feel like since COVID the word trauma has been a big word and we've all been using it. We've been talking about it. We've been referring to the pandemic as a traumatic experience, but I don't know that everybody truly understands what that means or can define that for themselves. So let's start there. Let's define what is trauma and specifically in relation to COVID. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I think that trauma can be so tricky because um, when I have clients that come to me that they're like, no, I don't have trauma. I always joke with them and I say, did you see toe like ever? Have you ever done that before? Because that's traumatic. Okay. There's like at least a little split second after you stub your toe, after you said all the curse words in the dictionary, when you're like, I don't have a toe anymore. Um, and then our brain is trying to process it. Right. And so when we're like talking about defining trauma, a lot of it is based off of what our brain can or cannot handle. Okay. So you get people that are like, well, yeah, what I went through was a trauma, but it wasn't as traumatic as, you know, it's like, a, I always, um, I admire so much like JC Dugard who was kidnapped and held captive for 18 years and the girls in Cleveland and you hear all these people. Oh my gosh. If you've watched, I survive on Pluto TV and all these things. It's like, now that's dramatic what you've gone through, but we're desensitized these days because of social media. So when I'm telling people about defining trauma, I, I can't get out Webster. I, yeah, the DSM, like, it's helpful. <laughs> it helps define trauma and PTSD and adjustment disorder um, and acute stress disorder. It helps with all of that. But really, what you're looking for when you're defining trauma is, what is my brain unable to process? And why am I having trouble processing it? So it's so different for each and every person that's out there. And with COVID, everybody had a completely different experience when it came to COVID. And we saw that so true when it came to social media. Everyone had their own beliefs and their own ideals and their own experiences. So, yeah, trauma and, and COVID is one and the same for everybody in their own way. Right. And thank you for saying that it's unique. And it's perspective based. I think so many times we say, at least I didn't have this, or at least I don't feel this, or at least I still have my children or at least whatever. But when we say that, at least we're minimizing our experience and our experience is valid. Yes. Preach. Oh my gosh. If I tell people, if you have to say the word at least, then we're using sympathy and not empathy. Okay. And it's like, if anyone is saying, you know, at least you haven't gone through this, or at least you still have this, it's like, no, what I went through was painful and traumatic. And you're allowed to use that word traumatic. You're allowed to make that a very real thing for you. And uh, going in that direction is really important. I think yeah. for a lot of people. And I love how you just said, if your brain is having a hard time processing something that has been traumatic. Yes. 
How simple. Uh, you would think. See, here's the thing is sometimes I feel like I say really smart things. <laughs> That's like, wow, this makes so much sense. I tell my clients, I'm like, this makes so much sense, right? And then I'm over here like, huh, no, that legitimately makes so much sense. Our brain does not catch up. It really doesn't. And COVID, although we had clues and hints that something was coming, we didn't know really what was coming. And when we were in the midst of it, we didn't even really know what we were in the midst of. Right. I mean, it was it, it was just like, no, this isn't really happening. Or no, it, it's not that bad. And so we're constantly minimizing every single thing that we go through because, well, at least it's not as bad as what happened to this person. You know, um, it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so when you're talking about that, I'm thinking about what happens now. And so one of the things that came to mind as you were talking is we all now have a trauma response to the next thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. So monkeypox, right? That's what's the next thing right now. And so no matter what, how that turns out, many people are having a very severe trauma response to this fear of what's next. Absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, I, before I became a therapist, my original degree is in radio, television, video, strategic communication, did some stuff in like broadcasting and news as a part of that. And so when you're working in news, we are taught to make a big headline. Like that is, that is what we are taught to do. So I will say this all day and every day, the 24 hour news cycle, we run out of stuff to talk about. We do. So we're just going to make everything 10 times worse than what it really is, which played a really, really bad role when it came to COVID because COVID was bad. Yeah. Right. And so since everyone is so used to minimizing everything because the cycle runs 24 seven with all this news that we have coming at us, it's like, well, it must be, it must not be that bad. They're probably just running out of things to talk about on the news. It's like, no, we're definitely not running out of things to talk about this time. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you know, something else that comes to mind when we're talking about that is that was a big deal, right? COVID was a big deal. And so rightfully so it was on the news, but just like 9-11 was a big deal mm-hmm. and it was on the news it was. 24-7, we had years and years of leftover unintended consequences of trauma responses. Um, I can't remember what the actual term is, but secondary PTSD, basically, right? Where Mm -hmm. you weren't there, but because you were watching it on the news, you might know the Mm -hmm. word for it. I can't think of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's PTSD. You can get PTSD by observing something as well. So you go in DSM. Just yeah. But at the same time, we got to have fancy words for everything these days. So sure, let's go with secondary. I'm yeah, with I like it. it. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so we, we learned that lesson, but we forgot it again with COVID. And so I we recreated all, this, yeah. this problem now that we are faced with, with the aftermath, right? The aftermath of COVID while whether or not it's still happening, we have the, the, the big part right? The, mm-hmm. the big surge, the beginning 2020 is over. And so now we have the aftermath of that. And 
there's lots of consequences from that. There is, you know, it's just like, I can go, even though I was young, I can um, remember the, this news cycle from 9-11 and what happened on that day. I actually (laughs) remember that seeing like an animation of a plane taking off. That's what I remember seeing over and over and over and over again. And I just remember like telling my dad, like, can we watch Disney Channel? Like, I don't even know if Disney Channel was even running that day. Like, I don't even know if cartoons were actually on. But I just remember, you know, my mom saying, look, it's the same thing. It's literally the same exact thing over and over again. They don't have anything new. There's no news, you know. And with COVID, like, technology has evolved so much. The way that we gather information has evolved so much, especially from that time. And so there was always something new to report when it came to COVID. It's just, who do we believe? And I think that's probably where I see a lot of clients that were struggling. It's like, um, I have people that's like, I never wore a mask at all during the pandemic because we don't, I don't want to oppress myself and my freedom. And I was like, okay, let's do telehealth. Um, You know, (laughs) Um, but it's like, I definitely... Um, could see I met with nurses and doctors people that were admin in hospitals and then people that were you know laid off from their jobs as a result of it and then you know so many things so many decisions were made during that time I see people that like during COVID they gained a lot of weight because they were really depressed and they went to eating their feelings and then I saw people that got really really healthy right and then it's like now they don't know (laughs) what to do because they don't have time to go to the gym anymore because now I actually have to work and then it's like well I never had to work and now I have to go back to work and it's you're right I mean it so much influence everywhere on what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to react reacting it's like there is no right way to react to what happened in 2020 in 2021 and then even at the beginning of this year um when another surge hit it's like what's happening right right um I like how you talked about the bad habits and the good habits right and there was some really beautiful things that came from COVID and sometimes Mm -hmm. that sounds like how dare you say that right but right Yes. (laughs) But there really were. People had their COVID gardens. And I know in my backyard, there's a trail and people were walking and exercising, like you were saying, because they were at home, they got to work from home or, or they were laid off, whatever happened, but they were taking advantage of that and getting healthy. And so there was that beautiful piece of it. Um, But then there was lots of awful things that happened, lots of job loss, more domestic abuse. We know that more child abuse, more um, the suicide rates have gone up. So I know that in my county, um, just in the first quarter, the suicide rates went up 78%. Mm -hmm. Yes. When you generalize that to the whole country and you take the population into consideration that's huge that is a huge 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 number and you know the cdc is always two years behind reporting numbers right Right. and so we won't have the true numbers for this for a couple of years now and so 
there has been a major consequence that we are dealing with. And so I really want to talk about what are those consequences? What are you seeing? What trauma responses have you noticed? And what what's kind of the lingering effects from COVID that people are dealing with? And let's just kind of honor those and validate them so that if people are listening, they can say, oh, I'm not by myself. It's not just me. Yeah, um, I think one of the big things that I see a lot is people being, I say, it, it can go to two sides of the coin. So I'm going to say this sentence and then it's going to be like, how dare you? Um, but it's like people being unable to process COVID. I don't say that to like blame people for like, you're not allowed to process it. It's just like the world has moved so quickly, right? Yeah. Um it's just as if, um, I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Scandal with Carrie Washington, but she is just this like complete like boss when it comes to like all this stuff, government, and she knows how to cover up all these scandals. And when, I, and I kind of think about COVID like that, it's like, here's something that's bad that's happening. We're going to make it go away. Okay, when COVID started dying down, we didn't hear anything about COVID, hmm. right? And so it's almost like, you know, go back to that stubbing your toe thing. The initial stub your toe, it hurts. You feel like your toe is gone. Your nail is probably falling off. It's like, <laughs> that's how bad it hurts, right? But then like, give it like 30 seconds, and your toe's not going to feel as bad, right? It's there might be a little lingering effects for a couple minutes afterwards, but it's really not that helpful. Okay, um, to think about it for so long because you're probably gonna stub your toe again. It's probably just gonna happen, right? Right. That's kind of what is happening with COVID a little bit. Is like we stubbed our toe and we stubbed it hard and it hurt, but it's starting to die down, and we know that it happened because it hurt, right? But after that, it's like do we keep talking about it? Like, why, why should we talk about it? It's over. It's done. I don't need to talk about it anymore. Right. Like, no, you're allowed to talk about what hurt you. You're allowed to talk about the effects that it had. You're allowed to ask for validation when it comes to it, because our lives did change. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's not a basic evolution that happened, right? It's just like an abrupt, this hurt, and it was hard and fast, okay? I know for me personally, when it came to the pandemic, I actually got engaged to my husband um, about like two weeks before like everything started shutting down. And I remember like, I mean, that was something that obviously I had been waiting for for a long time. <laughs> I was like, pop the question. Um, and we were going to go pick out uh, my ring together. And so that next day we get in the car and we're like, we're going to go to the mall to go to the jewelry store. All the jewelry stores are closed. We go to Sam's Club. Um, no one wants to get their engagement ring at Sam's Club. Go to Walmart. <laughs> Like, where am I supposed to go and get this ring? And then like we order it online and we ordered something inexpensive because it was like, now we don't really know what's happening. Like 
things are shutting down, like, are we supposed to wear a mask? Like, what is, what's happening? Like, are we, we're not supposed to touch our face? Like, are people dying? Um, and then the next thing, it's like, no, I got to plan a wedding. I got to do this. I got to do that. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, this is real. Like, this just happened, but now, like, we had a date set for the wedding. Now we got to push it back because we have no idea what's about to happen. Um, I lost three jobs during the course of the pandemic. I saw so many clients that went through the same exact thing, and it sends complete shockwaves into the decisions that you make and what you have to do in order to survive. So the biggest thing is you deserve validation if you went through what you, you know, a trauma. I mean, we all went through a trauma, but if you went through like even more on top of the more on top of the more, like, yes, you deserve validation. And I think it's important for you to get it because, you know, I wouldn't have been able to get to where I was at in my healing if I wouldn't have faced the fact like, hey, this is not my fault. Like I didn't lose my job because I'm a bad employee. I didn't have to push back my wedding because of X, Y, Z, you know, I'm doing this for what we have to do right now. And that can be difficult to process for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I like the example of comparing it to the sub toe, because that just makes perfect sense to me back to your brilliant comments that you make. That's just Thank another you. one that sticks with me because that's such an easy way to visualize it, right? It yeah. happened. We dealt with it. And then the pain went away. And so then we stopped talking about it. Um, but the problem is for those of us that it impacted more significantly, right? Mm -hmm. We still need to talk about it. It's still in our body, that, that pain, that turmoil, that frustration, that unknowing, all of those things, the fear is still in our body. And if we don't learn how to deal, how to process how to find safe people to work through that with, we're going to have this PTSD response for who knows how long, right? So tell me, talk about what that looks like. So your responses to trauma can be very different, right? Um, If we go extremes, we can either get really mad at ourselves or we can just push straight through and, you know, desensitize and you know dissociation for the win um (laughs) or we can start making healthy choices um well you know working through some of our past stuff i tell this story a lot um when i'm trying to get people to understand trauma right because our body can teach us so many things um but i'm a really stubborn person like probably the most stubborn person that's ever existed and um i like when i have a plan to do something i'm a like I'm going to go and just get it done type kind of person. And uh, I decided I wanted to remodel our bathroom <laughs> start of the pandemic because why not? Why not? Um, There's time. I exactly. We got time. Um, well, we live in a mobile home where the mirrors are like glued onto the wall. And so I was like, all I have to do is get a hammer and like beat it and then peel it off the wall. Not that big of a deal. And uh, my husband was like, I really don't want to do this today. And I was like, no, I got it. I'll do it. Totally fine. I got it. 100%. I'm going to do it all by myself. And uh, so I peeled that sucker right off the wall. I was doing really good until I went to go put glass (laughs) in a trash bag. Um, Because apparently glass 
that's one of the trash bags. Go figure. <laughs> um, and so I sliced open my wrist um, at, at the top of my wrist with that glass and um, I have this nice little scar that um, where I cut myself. And, you know, as, when I sliced it, I immediately like put my hand on it and my brother-in-law was there. And so I went to my brother-in-law because my husband's scared of blood. And I was like, mm, Corey. Uh, and he was like, I'm not opening with that. And my husband was like, it's okay. It's okay. And he's like cleaning up, got me all good. He like totally was like, didn't even think about the blood. He's like, oh my God, you're bleeding, but it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm not going to pass out. Everything's fine. And, uh, you know, helped me and everything. But I look at this scar and when I was getting ready for my wedding, the makeup artist, she said, that's a really prevalent scar. I can put some, uh, you know, makeup stuff on it. So that way it doesn't pop out in pictures. I was like, no, 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 no. I love this scar. And she was like, why? And I told her the story. Except when I was explaining it to her, I said, this scar reminds me that I need to ask for help and I don't have to do things by myself all the time. And I think the pandemic left one of those scars on all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Where we look at it and we can, we can have a couple opinions about it. We can say that scar is really ugly and I want to cover it up as much as possible. So I don't have to remember what happened or that scar is really ugly. Maybe I see that's there. I acknowledge that it's there. I know that it's (laughs) something happened, right? Um, I'm just going to choose to pretend that it doesn't affect me. Okay. Or you can say, well, that sucked. How do I make this a part of my story? Hmm. How do I make this help me grow, right? And so um, that's something that we kind of can change our views on when it comes to this pandemic. Um, If you're looking at the things that happened to you as something like, I have to cover this up immediately, right? because I don't want to remember that ever again. Well, you're not alone. Nobody wants to remember COVID. I actually laugh (laughs) when I, sometimes I put in my workout DVDs from these people that are like, bringing in the new year, 2020, this is going to be a great year. And I'm like, you have no idea what's about to happen. You are too happy for what's about to happen right now. Um, Because we had no idea. We had no idea how much this was going to affect us. And I think we, we say, well, before 2020, everything was fine. Before mm-hmm. COVID, everything was fine. But that's not the case. Things weren't fine before 2020. Things weren't okay. We were still, like, we were a nation that was still struggling with a lot of stuff before COVID happened. Right. It's just that COVID made it 10 times worse. And so um, I still am a control freak. I still like, I'm a get it done type kind of person and all that kind of stuff. But now I know to take a beat and ask when I'm about to pull a mirror off of the wall. Okay. Hmm. Because I definitely don't want to be doing that by myself anymore. So really it's about, I think the aftershock that you're talking about here, we need people to kind of understand a little bit more that it's it's okay to absorb what happened and allow it to be a part of our story versus like COVID is here, here. <laughs> and all the other stuff is over here. No, COVID, COVID like separated a lot of things, separated us from our families, separated us from people, separated us from our jobs, separated us in our houses. But ultimately 
it has the ability to bring us back together into a group of validation and understanding and empathy. And I think that's really important. I love that because again, we're going back to, it wasn't all bad. Now we all have this collective story where if we want to, we can connect with complete strangers. Yeah. We all experienced this one traumatic event. We all had different experiences with it, but we all experienced it together. And so that can, that can bring us together. And we know that healing often happens in community. Yes. And, and, you know, even think about that, you know, you were comparing it kind of with 9-11 too. Like we do that with 9-11, right? Like, where were you uh, during 9-11? It's like 9-11 was a day that, you know, it happened and it was really bad. And it was just like that, that moment in time. And I think maybe we desensitized COVID a little bit. Um, 9-11 9-11 had a lot more <laughs> repercussions than just in one day. So I do want to reiterate that because I it was extended, but you know, COVID was like a new trauma every single day. Like it was almost like something was pounding at our door every single day with something new. And so it is part of that. Like, what were you doing when COVID first came in? It's like, I was trying to shop for an engagement ring and everything was closed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was awful. You know, it's like, or what were you doing when, you know, the president announced X, Y, Z or when this happened and X, you know, it's, it's just all relevant. It can bring us closer together for sure. Yeah. If we let it, if we let it and we don't let people invalidate it, because I think that's probably the biggest part about the trauma. It's like, try and actually listen to people's experiences. And I say that, I emphasize that so much because we don't actually listen. We react because that's what Facebook has taught us to do. We react, we share, we post, we comment, but we don't listen. We don't absorb. Okay. And COVID has the potential to be that thing where we choose to actively listen to another person and their experience that they had. Like, why does this person want to believe it's a conspiracy theory? Why does this person believe that, you know, wearing a mask was an infringement of their rights? Or why did this person believe that the vaccine wasn't true? Or why does this person believe that the vaccine was the only way to go? Or what experiences do we have? Because everybody has their own experience. And it's so important. We need to actively listen to other people. And if you're one of the people that's listening to this podcast and you had a trauma and something really bad happened to you and you're like, I just wish someone would listen to me, right? Start, and I know this is twisted, but start by listening to someone else first, Hmm. because that's how a conversation starts. That's important. Yeah, that's so good because it can bring us together, but it also can be very monopolizing. And so like you're saying, we don't really listen anymore except to respond. And so our goal Mm -hmm. is to, when we're hearing somebody talk, what is our response going to be? Or what was my experience? Because we all experience the same thing. So there's beauty in that, but then there's also the problem with 
I want to tell you about my experience. And so then nobody feels heard unless you go to a therapist. (laughs) Yes. And so what I teach people when it comes to being heard is I teach them the one, two, three technique. Okay. And um, basically I have always found that clients have more to say after three seconds. Okay. So when someone finishes a sentence, you just count in your head one, two, three, and then you talk and then you respond. Okay. Um, Don't be thinking of your response. And, you know, as therapists, sometimes it's part of our job. Like we have to start putting pieces together. And so I'm like, have color coded notes and all that kind of stuff on my iPad. I'm like, oh, they said this. Oh, this reminds me of this. Oh, but if I would have spoken after they said the first sentence, completely wrong diagnosis. I wouldn't have helped them at all. Okay. I would have diagnosed them with, you know, ADHD when really they have like PTSD because symptoms can mimic. Okay. And so one, two, three, say what you want to say. Eventually it'll come back to you. It's like being the first person in line that starts the pay it back train at Starbucks. (laughs) Like you had to pay for yours and another person, but don't worry. One day, like maybe five years later, someone will pay for your Starbucks. Okay. Just give it some time and people will catch on. Yeah. And how often do we give people the opportunity to then turn the turn around and say, what about you? So if we're listening to respond and we want to share our story, we don't ever give somebody else the opportunity to say, I want to know, I want to know your story because we feel like, I don't know, because we have to share. I don't know um, what a gift you can give somebody to say, okay, now I want to ask you, I want to show you that I care about you. You take away that from somebody else whenever you impose your own responses. 101%. I have I have a lot of different tips and tricks when it comes to how to have a conversation with people. It's something that I think conversations um, for a really long time, I was on the receiving end of hearing things 24 seven. And then I married the most incredible man in the whole entire universe that listens to me and um, allows me to say things on the, you know, as well. Um, sometimes I don't do as much of a good job of listening to him because I listen to people all day. So I need to get better at it too. Um, but I have a lot of different conversational tips as well um, that I love to share with people too. Yeah. Your husband and mine would get along. <laughs> I, yeah. have, I tell him all the yeah. time. Um, I've listened all day long. Do I, do I have to listen to another story? <laughs> Which I mean, poor guy, like he's, he's so sweet and says, okay. But then I feel later, like, ah, I could have listened for 30 more minutes. (laughs) I, I tell him on his days, I'm like, just grab my face. Tell me I have had a bad day. And so, um, a couple months ago, he walked into the house. He said, did you have a good day? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you in a good mood? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. Cause I've had a really bad day and I just want to have a bad night. And I was like, okay and and so like that's how we communicate with each other sometimes it's like I sometimes I don't recognize and I don't allow myself to reflect if I've had a good day or not because I listen to trauma all day long and so like even having those conversations with your partner like did you have a good day and then really allowing yourself to reflect on it 
And then it's like, why is my partner asking me if I've had a good day? You know, are they needing support or are they looking to see if I need support? Are they noticing something in my behavior? And should I notice something in their behavior? And then kind of going from there in your conversation. That's so good because so often we don't stop to analyze the situation and really see what is the person that we're with needing from us right now. Um, so that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay. So talk to me a little bit about the type of clients you see, like what's your bread and butter? What do you love doing? What are you seeing in private practice? What are like these reoccurring themes that are happening so that again, we can kind of validate this for our listeners. Yeah, for sure. So right now I'm seeing a lot of people that are, you know, getting back to work and trying to adjust to that life. Um, but I see a lot of people with eating disorders right now. Um, and even people get this and I, I, TikTok can be a great tool. Okay. But as a therapist, I hate it with a burning passion inside my soul because everyone thinks that they're an expert on TikTok. They are not experts. Okay. Stop it. I mean, I, if my father-in-law is going to listen to this, I want him to be here. Not everyone on TikTok is an expert. That's what I say. Um, <laughs> he sends me like eight TikToks a day. He's gone better. He's gone better. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I have a lot of people that come up to me and they're like, I think I have autism. And that is one of the biggest trends on TikTok right now is people sharing their stories about how they're autistic or they have Asperger's. Um, and guys, we just went through a pandemic where we weren't social with people for over a year, okay? And now we have people that are self-diagnosing themselves with autism. And I bet you money, you don't have autism. You just don't know how to be social anymore, okay? So I'm getting a lot of people that are literally reintegrating into society. It's almost like um, being institutionalized, but by ourselves, okay? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm seeing a lot of people that are coming up to me and saying that they think they have like um, something on the spectrum that they're struggling with. And I definitely don't want to discount that community at all because I love to take all of that stuff into high consideration, but I'm like, what makes you think that you fall into this category? And then let's see how the pandemic has affected this. When did these symptoms start? When, ha how have you noticed this? And that's a big thing. I, I see a lot of clients and it's like, and then I, I, I tell them, I'm like, that's not autism, that's trauma. And they're like, ah, <laughs> what? I see a lot of people that choose to believe that they don't have trauma. <laughs> um, and then I tell them, believe it, because it's going to help you heal. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's because a diagnosable thing like autism or ADHD um, is easier to understand than the very convoluted word of trauma. Right? I yeah, because if you have like ADHD or autism, I think it's understood by people like this is an actual diagnosis. Like there's something wrong with your brain. Okay. But a lot of us were raised by the bootstrap generation, which is like age, like 50 and up. Okay. And, um, the bootstrap generation is pull your, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get over it. Right. Um, you don't have anxiety 
you just get anxious about something. You don't have depression, just bad things happen and then you move on, right? So being raised to believe that anxiety and depression aren't actually real things and mm-hmm. they're just situational things. Like we search for a diagnosis that we can really grasp onto that's accepted, right? And it can be treated with medication and can be treated um, and not, it's like, no one's going to go to an autistic person and be like, you're crazy for having autism. Like what happened to you to get autism, right? Um, But people do that with people that have anxiety and depression and trauma all the time. Like, okay, so you got laid off from a job that still paid you a stipend while you're in the middle of a pandemic and you just had to stay at home all day and watch TV and you didn't have any kids. I don't understand what the trauma is. It's like, bro, there was a lot of trauma that was going on there. We don't understand what was going on in this person's head. And, you know, we don't see the hope. We don't see the good things. We don't understand what's going on. And so, um, yeah, it's easier to grasp the diagnosis than trauma, anxiety, or depression. See it a lot. Yeah, I I say a lot where clients will come in and they'll talk about their anxiety, um, social anxiety specifically. And I've realized through my interactions with students and clients that if they had any glimmer of social anxiety pre-COVID and then they we had our forced online world, um, their bodies responded accordingly and said, oh, that was valid. There was a reason for me to be anxious about that situation. And so now I get to be by myself. I get to go hide. And so then for at least a year, if not longer, that their body, that was reinforced in their body day in and day out. And so now they're coming out of it and they don't know why Mm -hmm. um, they're having a hard time reintegrating. 110 right there because you know these kids um I don't work with kids I work with young adults um primarily um but you know I I saw kids that really struggled I saw parents of kids that really struggled we have what's called an inner child right and our inner child is the one that went through the trauma that anything that could reflect a trigger or whatever it is anything surrounding in that area that inner child is going to be like no stop it do not go any further okay this is danger 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 it's like how our brain is just going to try and comprehend it right and so even recognizing this um i tell people who you know a good way to decipher this is like um pita from the hunger games right (laughs) okay like whenever he alert got stung by all those tracker jackers and then you know Katniss is like trying to tell him what's real and what's not real you know in that fourth book or fourth book fourth movie it's like that real or not real right like is this something that's actually dangerous or is this something that's reminding me of the danger that I used to go through Hmm. and then can I separate that right so real or not real right Okay. So if I'm having troubles reintegrating, if I'm feeling overly anxious, if I'm having flashbacks, if I'm having nightmares, if I'm struggling to 
get a job again because I'm afraid of the next whatever is going to happen. Any of these trauma responses, if that is me, what are some baby steps or what are some things I can do to get back onto this road of wellness? First of all, schedule an appointment to go see a therapist, okay? Because you are you are worth being listened to, okay? And you're worth being validated. And social media is going to tell you that you aren't worth that because of XYZ criteria. That is wrong, okay? Um, and I put my foot down and I was like, wrong. <laughs> um, do not listen to that, okay? So first of all, schedule an appointment with a therapist. If you're having anxiety about even going to see a therapist, okay, take time. Go on to psychology today. Look up bios. Find the one that you feel like could fit and mesh well with you. Um, Watch the videos for some of the therapists. Take the time. See the resources that are out there, right? Um, Usually, like, steer people away from, like, those big online therapy platforms and say, like, go find the therapist that specializes in this. That's why we have psychology today um, because people, you know, therapists put their profiles out there and say, I am good at this, come see me. And then have that conversation. If you're not ready to go in office, then see if you can find someone that's willing to do telehealth because that's okay. Just make sure, you know, have it in your own private space. But the first thing is, Go see a therapist. I think a lot of people, their first step is to get on medications. And although I am a huge advocate for medications, I tell people, we need to know what we're treating before we get you on a medication. And if you're listening to TikTok to tell you that you have a diagnosis that you don't have, then you're going to get on the wrong medication, okay? I know they can't see that I'm pointing my finger, but I'm pointing my finger like my mother used to do when I, I was in trouble. Okay, so um, so definitely 100% go and talk to someone. Um, Baby step is just talking to someone and understanding that you deserve to be heard. Yeah, I love that. And I think like when you're searching out a therapist, you can search certain words. Like you can go to Google and type in trauma therapist and you're going to get websites of therapists who say, I specialize in this, or you can search EMDR, or you can search um, any brain spotting. Like there's certain things that you can search specifically for trauma responses. If you know you experienced a trauma, which hello, we all did. So now you know you did if you didn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Search that and you'll find somebody who says, this is my specialty. And if they're full, that's like the case here a lot is lots of people are full they have therapists, um, are in community with each other, you know? So like my specialty is grief. I know a few other specialists in the area who just do grief because they're few and far between the same with trauma. We know who likes that, right? Not everybody likes couples counseling. I don't. So I, but I, because I don't like that, I know people who do, and I refer out all the time. So start with a simple Google search, go to psychology today, and start making phone calls to individual people. I like what you said about like the big online platforms. They, um, you know, they're just, they're anxious for clients. 
And so they are. <laughs> they're anxious for a lot of money. Um, yes. I, I get a little frustrated when I keep hearing ads for certain particular online platforms, though, shall not be named. So definitely go to psychology today. Okay. Yeah. Because therapists pay for that. Course. Therapists pay for their psychology yes. today profiles. So these are not, yes. um, these are people that say this is my specialty. And so they're seeking out clients that match their specialties. Yep. It's, it's like, you know, you wouldn't hire a contractor that doesn't know what they're doing, right? Don't do the same for your mental health, okay? Yeah, that's great. And so find a therapist, right? If you're having yes. any of these lingering effects and now you know you can use the word trauma because we've given you permission now. We've said that's a trauma yes. response. Now you know, but while you're searching, you know, practice listening. Yeah, Practice listening. And this is going to sound like the craziest piece of advice that every one of my clients hates or the burning passions are their soul. Okay. But I'm giving you this advice anyways, exercise. Okay. Do 25, 30 minutes of cardio exercise every day. Okay. First thing that I do when I wake up in the morning is get up, put my workout clothes on, and go stand in front of my TV in my office and do my workout, okay? And I just take that 25, 30 minutes. Our anxieties that we carry, our stress that we carry, we need to literally like get that adrenaline out of us. So do 25 to 30 minutes of cardio exercise a day. Start eating healthy foods. Don't restrict yourselves, but start eating healthy foods. Find the things that bring you joy and unapologetically do them. There's so many things that you can do right now to help yourself. Use the words, talk to people, listen to people, join support groups. Um, Tribe Wellness Community has online support groups that are super, super great and it's free to the public. Use the crisis text line if you need to talk to someone immediately, you know, text 741-741, text the word hello, you'll be connected to a crisis counselor for free. And I used to work with the crisis text line. I love them so much. They're a great group of people. And you do not have to want to die to use the suicide prevention hotline or the crisis text line. If you just are in your head and you need to get out of your head, use those resources save the contact to your phone, okay? And use those resources, especially if you just can't get out of your head, okay? That's my big advice. So go forth and prosper. I right? wanted to say hallelujah, AM, mic drop, all the things as you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> there you go. Do all the things. Exercise. We know, guys, that um, emotions are stored in our body. And we have to find ways to release it. So yes, seek out a therapist, but until then, or until you find somebody or until you walk into the door or even throughout therapy, exercise, make healthy choices. We know there's food dyes and additives that make ADHD and anxiety worse. We know it. You've heard it in my podcast. You can go back and listen again, eat real food. Don't go down the inside aisles of the grocery store, right? Eat real food. You're going to feel better for it. All of those things. Listen, <laughs> I need to be, I need to be better about the inside aisles of the food store. I mean, does it count if I do a pickup order? I'm technically not going to the inside. No, aisles. So it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, don't know, know where it's at. Better, right? 
<laughs> okay, so we know we now know when it's time to seek help. And I always want to tell people that you don't have to have a diagnosable problem to go to therapy. We all collectively experienced a trauma that yes. continued day in and day out for two years. We all did. And so every single one of us on planet Earth could benefit from going in and sitting down with a listening ear, somebody who's going to listen non-judgmentally, who has no biases, who's there for you, the year cheerleader, and will help walk you through that. 100%. Okay. So Becca, is there any final things that we haven't covered that you just are itching to get out? I think my biggest piece of advice for everyone is just allow yourself to be listened to, allow yourself to be heard, allow yourself to understand that you're allowed to talk. Okay. Um, and just find your person. Mm, find your so. person. Well, Becca and Lucy, we can't forget yes. Lucy. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad that we got to meet and do this. Um, and so yeah. she is in Arkansas, Becca is in Arkansas, but her contact information is in the podcast description. And so if you happen to be listening and are in Arkansas, you can reach out to her. And I'm sure that if you have any itching questions, even if you're not in Arkansas, you can reach out to her and she will do her best to right. support you um, in any way she can. And as always, you know, you guys can reach out to me too. Okay, I am really enjoying the series on COVID aftershock, and I hope you are learning as much as I am. I look forward to hearing more about the topics you want to hear about. The goal of this podcast is to instill hope through personal and professional stories of struggle and recovery, as well as explore ideas that help you navigate hard times in the most healthy ways possible. Next time, we're going to be wrapping up the series while focusing on our journey back to wellness. As always, I want to say a special thank you to my subscribers who are supporting me financially. I am humbled by your desire to listen to the Hope Again podcast. Please reach out if I can ever support you. Thank you again. And I look forward to next week. Remember, if you have lost hope in ever feeling good, calm, safe, or happy again, this is your invitation to try one more time and hope again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. Thank you for listening to the Hope Again podcast, where the light at the end of the tunnel gets brighter each day. Mm-hmm.